If you enjoy listening to this podcast, we ask you to consider supporting it by making a one-time or reoccurring donation. Visit Mayflower's website at www.mayflowerucc.org and click on the Donate tab in the menu. Donations made to Mayflower's Communications Fund are tax-deductible and help ensure that this podcast is available. Thank you for your support. The sermon you are about to hear was preached at Mayflower Congregational UCC Church in Oklahoma City by the Reverend Dr. Lori Walkie, senior minister at one of America's premier liberal Protestant pulpits. At Mayflower, we are an open and affirming peace and justice church where we believe religion should be biblically responsible, intellectually honest, emotionally satisfying, and socially significant. We go now to the pulpit of Mayflower Congregational UCC Church of Oklahoma City and to the preaching and teaching of Reverend Dr. Lori Walkie. Good morning! Welcome and happy Halloween Eve from Mayflower Congregational United Church of Christ where no matter who you are or where you are on life's journey, You are welcome here. Will you bow your heads with me? We assume, Holy One, when he showed up so unexpectedly last Monday that he announced himself in his usual way. Hey, fellow hunker downers, it's Leslie Allen Jordan reporting for duty. Or perhaps he asked the heavenly host, as he did us so many times, how y'all doing? We weren't ready to lose him to eternity, Holy One. It was his mission to make us giggle, belly laugh, lean in, and sing along. He made it his job to spread love and light. We know he expects us to take it from here. His troubles were the same so many of us face. Hostile, small town, maladaptive, masculine father, homophobia, bullies, drugs, and alcohol. He showed us how to make it to the other side. Leslie's last gift to us was a recording of a Sunday morning hymn singing of When the Roll is Called Up Yonder. And after the final chorus, he He said, I've been baptized 13 times just to make sure. Please let him know that we never had any doubt, Holy One. Well, actually, since we know he isn't too far away to hear us, Leslie Allen Jordan, we love you, we miss you, hunker down, and we'll see you soon. Amen. Our scripture lesson this morning comes from the book of Daniel, chapter 7, verses 1 through 3. Y'all turning, right? Y'all are turning to it?
In the first year of King Belshazzar of Babylon, Daniel had a dream and visions of his head as he lay in bed. Then he wrote down the dream. I, Daniel, saw in my vision by night the four winds of heaven stirring up the great sea, and four great beasts came up out of the sea, different from one another. As I watched, thrones were set in place, and an ancient one took his throne. His clothing was white as snow, and the hair of his head like pure wool. His throne was fiery flames, and its wheels were burning fire. A stream of fire issued and flowed out from his presence. A thousand thousands served him, and ten thousand times ten thousand stood attending him. The court sat in judgment, and the books were opened. Here ends the reading from our tradition. May God grant to us wisdom and courage for interpretation. People usually know one, maybe two stories from the book of Daniel, even if they don't know they're from the book of Daniel. The first story comes in the third chapter where we find Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the three young men who refused to bow down to a golden statue which everyone had been ordered to worship. Their punishment for refusing to bow down was to be tied up and thrown into a fiery furnace. And they were. But when the king looked into the furnace, he saw not just three men, but four standing in the flames. And the king ordered them to be pulled out, and wouldn't you know it, The story says that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego walked out of the furnace with not a hair on their heads singed, and they didn't even smell like smoke. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego lived happily ever after. More or less. The second story is that of Daniel and the lion's den. Maybe you remember it. Daniel, a faithful Jew serving in the court of King Darius, became a target of his faith. A law was passed that said anyone who prayed to anyone other than the king would be thrown into a den of lions. As the text tells us, although Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he continued to go to his house to get down on his knees three times a day to pray to his God and praise him, just as he had done previously. The conspirators came and found Daniel praying and seeking mercy before his God. So Daniel was brought and thrown into the den of lions. But in the morning, when the king came to see what was left of the body, Daniel himself cried out, My God sent angels and shut the lion's mouths so that they would not hurt me. And indeed, there was not a bite mark on him. And Daniel lived happily ever after. (laughs) More or less. After that, the book of Daniel gets real weird. As scholar Sibley Towner observes, the second half of the book, chapters 7 through 12, seem to have little to do with the first half. 
There, the reader discovers a strange universe of symbolic beasts, of winged angels, and rank upon rank of other heavenly beings, and of heavenly judgment scenes. It is enough to make one wonder why we would ever read it, and why we would read it today. Why read this text on the third Sunday of our widest welcome series in which we've done some deconstructing and some reconstructing, and now we're supposed to be turning towards our next faithful steps. We know that we can indeed be up to our eyeballs in helpful, nurturing, faithful theology, but we also need a powerful and sustaining vision for mental health and disability justice in the church, what Jim Collins and Jerry Porras coined in their book, Built to Last, as a BHAG, a big, hairy, audacious goal. In, in other words, goals that show a willingness to take surprisingly bold action and I know that we've heard a lot about goals lately, aspirational ones specifically. Aspirational goals are a lot like audacious goals. They take bold action. Our governor seems to be confused about this. In February of this year, in his State of the State address, Governor Stitt declared Oklahoma well-positioned to be a top 10 state. Then, in a gubernatorial debate earlier this month, he confessed that despite his declaration, being top 10 is an aspirational goal. It's something we're never going to hit. And then his communications team died. <laughs> Here's the thing. The governor does not know what the word aspirational means. But we do. We come from a long line of aspirational and audacious hopers. People who believe that we really could make it on earth like it is in heaven. The prophet Daniel was one of them. He lived through one of the most difficult moments in the history of Israel. And the book named after him provides us a heroic model who thrives by remaining faithful, holding fast to the promise of a new day. It is hard to overstate how terrible things were for the people during Daniel's days. The situation called for aspiration, audacious vision, followed by action. So it is that we read his aspirational, audacious vision this morning as we consider what our congregations behag for mental health and disability justice is. We turn to scripture, yes, but we also intentionally listen and take direction from mental health and disability theologians and activists who have been working on a vision of a just world for all, and we trust that we'll catch it. it. It was easy to miss, I think, when I read the scripture because it's easy to be distracted by the fantastical description of the vision. That's understandable. But Amy Kinney, who I introduced to you last week, the author of My Body Is Not a Prayer Request, helps us to understand the text when we read it again 
and this time with a disability hermeneutics, and she points out what we should have noticed the first time. When Daniel visits the clouds of heaven, she writes, he describes how God's throne was fiery flames and its wheels were burning fire. A chair with wheels. Huh, a chair with wheels sounds a lot like a wheelchair to me and one that gives new meaning to burning rubber. I'm told this is a metaphor to not take things so literally. But if anyone bothered to ask me, they would know that when I picture an idyllic world, I picture ramps. How else would my upgraded flaming wheelchair get around? Turns out, she continues, it's not just me and Daniel who see it this way. The prophet Ezekiel describes God with a massive mobility device that is lifted by four angels with fused legs and colossal wheels in Ezekiel chapter 1, verses 15 through 21. The wheels encase other wheels that glisten like topaz. God uses a fiery, shimmering, turquoise wheelchair to get around, and so should I. And here, she puts forth a vision that might seem to us as wild as Daniel's. What if wheelchairs became like glasses? Glasses are disability aids. Glasses are correctives, to be sure. We know they act as ocular prosthetics to assist folks to see more crisply. Yet I have never learned of anyone with glasses targeted for curative prayers or shaming calls to repentance. Glasses are a fashion statement so specifically tailored to someone's aesthetic that some don them just to look geek chic. Cat eye. Aviator, shield, rimless, tortoiseshell, the shapes and styles are boundless. What if we did the same for mobility devices? Instead of stigmatizing wheelchairs, scooters, and canes, what if we celebrated them as fashion statements for disabled folks? Mobility devices should be functional and effective, but that has never prevented us from designing beautiful, quirky glasses. The visions in Daniel and Ezekiel and Amy Kinney's commentary provide us a very good place to start on our journey, but, but then what? Is disability justice only about normalizing wheelchairs? No, of course not. There is so much more to be done. We are looking to move from inclusion to justice, not only for physical disability, but for mental and emotional disability, for neurodiversity and mental health. Do not think that you are the only one asking how in the world that we do this. Do not think you are the only one who feels perhaps reshaping the world into a more just and loving place is too big of a vision. As disability activist Leah Pebznina Samarahina wrote in their essay, Still Dreaming Wild Disability Justice Dreams, 
As disability justice movement people, we know that access is just the first step on the way to a liberated, disabled future. It's not the whole of it, not by a long shot. But when I ask them to imagine that that accessible future, let alone that disability justice future, they get stuck. The best they can imagine is maybe not dying in a concentration camp or locked up in a home where no one visits. But Leah goes on to remind people who are disabled that one of our biggest gifts is the mad, sick, disabled, deaf dreams we are always dreaming and have always been dreaming way beyond what we are allowed to dream. Not in the inspiration porn way that's the only way many abled people can imagine that disabled people dream, like of not letting disability stop us or wanting to walk or see or be normal above all cost or being a super crip or an inspiration but never human. I'm talking about the small, huge, everyday ways we dream crip revolutions, which stretch me which stretch from me looking at myself in the mirror, disheveled and hurting on day five of a major pain flare and saying, you know what, I'm not going to hate you today, all the way into making disabled homes, disabled kinship and community networks and disabled ways of loving, fighting and organizing. So it is that we read scripture stories of our ancestors of faith, ones that saw visions of a world beyond the limits of what currently existed. Not beyond, as in the sweet by and by, but beyond in that it is out there waiting for us to make it so. Daniel had that vision. And Jesus caught that vision. He articulated it in a prayer we say every single Sunday. God's kingdom come. God's will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The Jesus movement was and is about bringing the kingdom of heaven to earth to make a world in which every body and every mind is known and loved and understood as an indispensable thread in the fabric of humanity. We come from a long line of audacious and aspirational dreamers and doers, folks who could envision a future that they also worked for no matter how far away it seemed. In the, essay, in the essay I referenced earlier, Leah asks, what are our dreams of a collective mutual aid network, of a society where free, just, non-gated, crip-led care is a human right for all? What if we could make a society-wide mutual aid system for care based on disability justice principles. The church has been asking a form of that question since its inception. You remember all those reports in the book of Acts of people holding everything in common, selling possessions and goods, and they shared with anyone who was in need? They were figuring out how to organize themselves in ways 
of mutual aid, which was in stark contrast to how the world was telling them to live, how it is telling us to live. So we find ourselves asking similar questions. How can we best show up for one another? What are the ways we can be better at empowering and supporting each other to live full, abundant lives? Or to repeat how Leah phrased it, what if we could make a society-wide mutual aid system for care based on disability justice principles? What if? But church, this is, this is really not a what if situation. It is our call, our vision, our inheritance, our big, hairy, audacious goal to make it on earth as it is in heaven, flaming wheelchairs and all. Amen. You've been listening to the preaching and teaching of Reverend Dr. Lori Walkie, Senior Minister at Mayflower Congregational UCC Church in Oklahoma City. More information about the church can be found at www.mayflowerucc.org or by visiting Mayflower's Facebook page. Worship services are every Sunday at 10 a.m with Sunday school classes for all ages at 9 a.m. Mayflower is located on Northwest 63rd Street in Oklahoma City, one block west of Portland. Thank you for listening.